You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. This morning we are continuing a series. It's called The Story. And as we begin last week, what we've been doing with this series is we're going into the Bible and we're giving you a big overview of the story of the Bible, and it's so important for us to do that because as we take the Bible, many times it's easy for us to look at the Bible as a rule book. And so we look at the Bible, and while in some cases and in some ways it is a rule book, there's some things that God wants us to do, there's some things that God wants us to say within the parameters of, it's much more than just a book about what God wants us to do or what we should do. The Bible's a story about what God has done what he has done, what he's already done. It's a story about him, not about how we should act. It's a story about what he's done on our behalf. So I think it's so important for us to begin to view the Bible in that way, that it's a story about what God has done. Because from the very beginning, God has began to execute a plan to bring us back with him. We see last week that we began to talk about how there was a separation that happened in the garden as Adam and Eve sinned and as we sin, we're separated from God, but God's plan all along is to be reunited with us. And so this is a story about what he has done. A lot of times we look at the Bible and, you know, we, uh, we grow up in church and, you know, we're looking at all these stories and we think the Bible's a story about a bunch of different heroes. And while the Bible does have a lot of great heroes in it, the reality is, is that there's a lot of people in the Bible who are considered heroes who make a lot of big mistakes, just like you and I. They make a lot of big mistakes, and as we unfold this story, you'll see a lot of those big mistakes and see how God is able to use them anyways in the midst of those mistakes. Just like you and I, they get afraid and they run away at times. Or there's sometimes they're just mean, just like you and I are at times. There's sometimes where uh, they make mistakes But at the end of the day, the Bible's not about a bunch of heroes. The Bible is about the ultimate hero. And and that's what we hope you see in this series is that the story of the Bible, every single part of it, is simply pointing to the ultimate hero. And the ultimate hero is Jesus. He's the ultimate hero. He's the one that the Bible is about. He's the one that the Bible points to in every story. Every story whispers the name of Jesus. God is setting up this story simply to get to the part where Jesus comes, dies for our sins, lives a perfect life, and rises again so that we could have life. He's the hero of the story, and he's the one He's the one that we want to talk about, and he's the one that we want to highlight in every single story that we tell throughout this. So the Bible's not just a book of rules. It's not just a book about a bunch of heroes. All the stories of the Bible are telling one big story, the story about how God loves his children and how he's come to rescue them. So just let that sink in just a little bit, right? That the story of the Bible is the story about God, his love for you. God loves you. If you're here today and you question that in any way, if you're here today and you say, well, Jesse, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've, what's happened in my life. Well, I, I can see a lot of Bible stories here where people make a lot of big mistakes and God loves them and God uses them and God does incredible things in their lives. And I want you to know that that's possible for you today. And we'll see that in scripture. But as each of these smaller stories are incomplete, um, they're incomplete without Jesus. 
all of these stories, right? If we just take them as a story about David or a story about Noah, if we just look at them as a story about them, man, it is so incomplete. But when we bring Jesus into the picture, it all makes sense. He's the missing puzzle piece that makes it all work together. And it all points to him with an exclamation point. Every story whispers his name. So as I said last week, we began this by talking about the very beginning and how God created the heavens and the earth. He did it once again because he loves us. Every act of creation was an act of love for us as he created um, the skies and the sun and everything in it, animals and everything that we have, all the beautiful creation that we see around us. Everything was an act of love between us and God. He wanted a relationship with his people And we see early on that we fractured that relationship, that we made some mistakes as human beings and our relationship with God was fractured. You think, okay, so they're separated, they go separate ways, there's a disconnect from them and God. But from the very beginning, we saw last week, God had a plan. That God didn't just say, hey, sorry, you guys are on your own. But from the very beginning, he said, hey, I've got a plan. I wanna reconnect with you and I'm gonna make it happen. And the way that he did that is he, he said this. He said, one day there's gonna come a man who's gonna come and he's gonna stomp the head of this serpent. And what he was saying is that one day Jesus is gonna come and Jesus has already come and he stomped the head of that serpent so that we could have a relationship with God so that everything could be restored and things are in progress of that happening. God desires to make all things new But that's the beginning of the story. Today, we're going to continue that story by talking about the story of Abraham. And Abraham is one of these people that is talked about so, so much in the Bible. There's songs about it that we sing in kids' life. Uh, there's, There's so many things, right? As we look at New Testament scripture, Abraham is referred to as the father of faith. The MVP of faith. If you think about anybody who has great faith, he's at the very top of the list. But it hasn't always been so. There's been moments throughout Abraham's life where he's dropped the ball. There's been moments where he didn't exhibit a whole lot of faith. There's been moments where he didn't really trust God like he should, just like you and I. A lot of these heroes, we've got a lot in common with them. And as we look at scripture today, and as we look at the story of Abraham, I think one thing that we'll find along the way is that the key word trust pops up a whole lot in this story that God wants Abraham to trust him, that God's asking Abraham and telling him some things, and in the midst of this, God desires trust. And we see that in Adam and Eve, that God wanted them to trust him. And so how are we doing with that in our lives? Are you doing well in your relationship with God when it comes to trust? Are you trusting him well for him to deliver the things that you need, for him to bless you, for him to take care of you? Are you trusting him because it's really easy for us to get out of line in that. In the story of Abraham, as we begin here, there's some moments where I said before he drops the ball. So let's begin here to see as this story begins and unfolds in Genesis chapter 12, how the story begins. Because in some moments, Abraham looks like, man, this is a person of faith. And in some moments, it looks like this is a person who doesn't trust the Lord at all. So Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, you can turn with me there or you can go ahead and read up on the screen here. Genesis chapter 12, verse one. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household 
to the land that I will show you. So I want you to put yourself in Abraham's shoes in this moment, right? You're in a town, in a place where all your needs are met. Your parents are around and they have accumulated a lot of wealth and they are taking care of you. And he says, hey, I want you to go from your father's house and I want you to go on your own. Some of you are nudging your kids right now. You hear that, right? I want to get you off the payroll, okay? But Abraham in this moment has a decision to make. Are you, are you going to obey God and go from the country and the people that you know and the father's household that I've given you and, and go on your own like I'm asking or are you going to do your own thing? And I think Abraham's, his toughest choice here is that he would have to leave home and leave his mom's cooking behind, okay? So that's the, that's the toughest choice that he has here. But, but it comes down to this in Genesis 12 too, God tells him what he's going to give him. And what he's going to give him is he's going to give him He's gonna, it says, I will make you into a great, great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So what a, what a blessing, what an encouragement here. And what I hope you see just right out of the gate here is that God, part of his character, is to bless his people. He wants to bless you. If you call him your, your God and you follow after him, his desire is to bless you. He wants to bless your life. But as we see here, it's not just a blessing to bless you. It'd be easy for us to, to I think we do this at times, right? Like, hey, I'm so blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Look at me. Look at what I've got. Look at all the things that God has blessed me with. Hmm. But it's never a blessing just for you. It's a blessing always for others. God blesses you so that you could bless others. God always blesses you so that you could help somebody else. And when he's blessing you, he's thinking of somebody else in mind who you could be a blessing to. And that's exactly what happens to Abraham here. He says, Abraham, I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna bless you if you're obedient. As you follow after me and as you take this big leap of faith, I'm going to bless you. But I'm going to bless you so that all the peoples on the earth can be blessed by you. And as we take a moment here, I said every story, it whispers the name of Jesus. What he's talking about here is he says, hey, you're gonna bless the whole earth as he's talking about Jesus. He's saying one day there's going to come a man from your lineage that's going to bless the whole earth. He's talking about Jesus. He's saying Jesus is going to come and he's gonna be the blessing that everybody needs. He's going to be everything that anybody would ever need. And through your lineage, he is going to be the person who blesses all the people on earth, pointing to Jesus. And this is God's character. He wants to bless you. He wants to be there for you. He wants to unleash blessing on us so that we can be a blessing to others. But once again, he exhibits here his faithful love for his people. So if we stop here, it sounds like a pretty good story. Abraham left home. He was obedient to God. He showed and exhibited trust and faith, and he went on his own. The end, let's go home and watch basketball, right? But that's not what happens. Just like you and I, he has some moments of struggle along the way. He has some moments of mistrust, some moments where he doesn't really trust God like he should. And right off the bat here, one of the big stories, and I would read it all to you, but man, we would be here all day, and we have so much to cover that I just want to tell you what happens next. Because as he's going on in his journey, he runs into some powerful people along the way. 
He runs into kings and, and kingdoms and, and different things like that. And as he walks into a kingdom with his wife and his people and all of his things, all of the things that he's compiled that are coming along with him as they're moving along, he runs into some scary situations in his mind. Now, I want you to remember, God promised him that he was going to bless him, that he was going to take care of him, that he had good things in store for him. Uh, but when he arrives at this place, his biggest fear in his mind, these people are going to kill me and they're going to take all of my things. So I've got to find a way to stop that, a creative way to take things into my own hands so that that doesn't happen. So, so what does he do? Well, he uses his wife as a pawn to keep himself alive. And he does this on multiple occasions in Scripture. It's not just this one mistake, not just this one time. And I'll just be honest with you, right? Just, it says it in Scripture, but what he's doing here is using his wife as a pawn to keep him alive. So he's saying, King, I want you to have my wife and sleep with her. And I want you to, to marry her. And in fact, he lies to the king and says, this isn't even my wife, this is my sister, just to keep himself alive. He's using his wife as a pawn to keep himself alive. So he's exhibiting distrust, right? He's not believing what God had promised him originally. And so he does this over and over again. There's two occasions in scripture where he does this. So this guy who trusted, so God, trusted God so well in the beginning is suddenly in this place where he's not trusting God in this certain area. And once again, he finds himself in these positions where he gets found out. And, and, uh, and, and, but God takes care of him every step of the way. And it's so interesting to see God's faithfulness to him in the midst of his mistakes, in the midst of his distrust. And I think that's a good lesson for us too, right? Aren't you so glad that God has been faithful to you even when you haven't been faithful? Aren't you so glad that God has been so good to you even when you haven't trusted him like you should? That he's taking care of you every step of the way? I'm so glad that we have a God like that, that we have a God who's patient with us, who's kind in seasons where we're not getting it together, just like Abraham. And so Sarah and Abraham, they don't trust God. They don't trust God to take care of them, and so he lies about his wife and calls her his sister. But it goes beyond that because we see in this story that um, Abraham and his wife, they really want a child. And as they're going along on this journey, there comes a moment where they say, uh, I think it's time for us to take this into our own hands. We're in our 90s. There's no way that, man, there's no way that this is going to happen unless we do something about it. And they, they exhibit a great amount of distrust because what Sarah says in this moment is he says, she says, Abraham, I want you to go sleep with our slave girl, Hagar. And I want you guys to have a child together. God had promised them to have a child together, Sarah and Abraham, but because they didn't trust in the Lord in this moment, Sarah sent him off to sleep with Hagar. And they have a child together. And so what we see here, once again, is some kind of really bad behavior. Some really bad behavior by Abraham, by Sarah. They're not exhibiting trust in the Lord, for one. Not only that, but they're abusing their slave girl by making Abraham sleep with her. And beyond that, when the baby's finally born, Ishmael, Sarah is so jealous. She's so jealous of the baby and so jealous of Hagar that she mistreats her to the point that Hagar has to run away. And so Hagar has to run for her life pretty much because of how Sarah is treating her. 
And these are some of the patriarchs of the faith. And so we see humanity unfold here in Scripture. That it's not just all daisies, that it's not just all heroes, that it's not just all people exhibiting the best behavior, a bunch of Ned Flanders kind of people that get it right all the time, right? But it's people who have real flaws throughout Scripture. So finally, after this season of rebellion happens, um, Abraham gets real with God. And as he gets real with God, he comes to this place where he finally has a conversation with the Lord. And this is what God tells him in Genesis 15, 1. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. And he says, Abraham, don't be afraid. I'm your shield and your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So he took him outside and said, Look up to the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And I want you to listen to this verse verse 6. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him, is righteousness. So after all this not trusting, after all this trying to take it into his own hands, Abraham finally gets to this place where he grows. And friends, we are all growing. We're all in different stages of our life, of our faith, where we're growing. And there's areas of our life where we haven't grown up enough yet, but Abraham gets to this place where he grows. And he trusts the Lord, and he trusts what God is telling him that he's going to have a son with Sarah and that that son is going to be somebody that he's going to use to do some great, great things from with. And what we see in this story at this time is that Isaac is born and he has a son named Isaac. And Isaac, as you can imagine, is a son that he treasures so, so much. He loves Isaac more than anything. And he is so, so excited about Isaac. And as Isaac grows, Isaac's just the apple of his eye. And so they do everything together. And there's a, one, there's a day where the Lord wants to check to see if Abraham really still trusted him. And so what does he do? He says, Abraham, I want you to, and this is tough to hear, but I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. I want you to take him somewhere and I want you to sacrifice him. Sacrifices were well known in that day. There were sacrifices of animals that happened on a regular basis. And so for him to say, I want you to sacrifice Isaac, it was well known exactly what God wanted him to do. And we're hearing this and we're thinking, man, what a harsh God that would ask him to sacrifice his son. And I I know all along that God had a plan, that God never intended for Isaac to be harmed at all, but he wanted to see if Abraham trusted him. And so what happens in this moment is that Abraham, so sad, he follows through with the plans that God had given him. And he begins to walk towards executing and, and, um, and doing this to his son. So he goes, but in the moment that he's about to do this, God says, stop. I don't want you to sacrifice your son. And he provides a ram instead. And so that ram is sacrificed. And, and let's stop here because I think this is an important part because once again, this points Remember, every, every story points to Jesus. This story, it points to Jesus. 
Because friends, there's a day down the road where God gave up his only son as a sacrifice. And he gave his only son up as a sacrifice. And on that day, nobody said, stop, stop this. No, he was executed on our behalf. He was executed for you and I so that we could have life. He took our place. Just like that ram took Isaac's place that day, Jesus took our place. And so this story in itself, it points to Jesus. It points to his love, God's love for us, that he would send his only son, that he would send his only son for us on our behalf. And so we find ourselves in this place where Abraham, he exhibits such a great amount of trust. And it goes from this guy who's not able to trust God in small areas to suddenly he's able to trust God with the biggest area of his life, his son. And his faith grows and grows and grows. Well, the question is, are there areas of your life where you're trying to take matters into your own hands? Is there areas of your life where, where like Abraham, you're trying to do it on your own? You're trying to make it happen right now instead of trusting God? I think it's important to ask yourself that question because we can all find ourselves in that place. But the truth is, is that God, in the midst of all of these stories, he stays faithful through it all. And if we can go real quick through some of Abraham's descendants after this, after Isaac, Isaac has a son named Jacob and a son named Esau. And we see that story unfold. And it says that Jacob is a deceiver. Think about that. When we talk about people of the faith, the ones that we talk about, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You hear that throughout scripture, that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Except Isaac, he's a deceiver. He's constantly messing up. He's constantly cheating people out of things. And yet God makes him the foundation of Israel. Changes his name to Israel. And he makes him the foundation. And we see again, right, an imperfect person who God is using, who God uses, who God uses their mistakes and God uses them to get to a place where he puts them as the foundation of all of Israel. Then it goes to Joseph and Jacob has a son named Joseph as well as 12 other, 11 other sons. And Joseph, as he goes on in life, many of you know the story, but he suffers immensely. He's trying to be faithful along the way. He's trying to exhibit trust along the way, but he suffers greatly. And at the end of his life, we come to this beautiful verse in Genesis 50, 20, that I think kind of sums up the message that I'm going for today. And it says this, it says, he's talking to his brothers and he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives, the saving of many lives. So throughout the whole story, we see people who God is calling, who take detours, who aren't faithful, who show mistrust. And then we see them get to a place where they get on the right path, that God never gives up on them, that God continues to bring them along the path, that he continues to get them on the right track. And then he says, hey, all those mistakes in the past, I'm gonna use them for your good. I'm gonna use them as part of the story to turn into something good. And that good thing that comes out of all these stories is Jesus. Jesus Christ coming through this lineage so that we could have life. So that's the big picture. 
But the small picture is this, is that for you and I, that we've got a God who can take our mistakes and he can turn them around and he can use them for our good if we trust him. Do you trust him to do that? Do you trust him to take your past, the things that you regret, and, and to turn it into good somehow? The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And it's amazing to see what God can do with our lives when we simply trust him. When we trust him with our lives, when we trust him with our decisions, when we trust him for direction, will you trust him? Will you exhibit a life of trust or will you, just like Abraham in moments, try to take the matters into your own hands? I think the way that we should go is the way of faith and the way of trust. Thanks for listening. For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.